We conclude our series today in some of the great battles of the Bible. I don't know, are you battle-weary yet? I think we've been on this for about six or seven weeks. We open to 2 Kings chapter 6, and we begin reading at verse 8. And the title of our message today is, Open Our Eyes, Lord. 2 Kings chapter 6, and we start at, at verse 8. Now the king of Aram was warring against Israel, and he counseled with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Arameans are coming down there. The king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. Now the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you tell me which one of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, No, my lord, O king. But Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and take him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened these servants' eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Then Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he brought them to Samaria. When they had come into Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Then the king of Israel, when he saw them, said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? He answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. And the marauding bands of Arameans did not come again into the land of Israel. Let's pray. Father, these are... Words that you've given by the inspiration of your spirit. And we pray today, O oh God, that you would open our eyes to see the things that you would have us to see from your word. Teach us, we pray. Give us hearts, O oh God, that hunger and thirst for you and your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you remember the first time you looked through a microscope? Or maybe the first time you looked through a telescope. I remember when I was in grade school, the first time I looked into a microscope, I was literally shocked. I thought, how in the world can you see these little 
little things. And then you think of looking through a telescope and how that moon that seemed so far away becomes so much closer and you get a little bit of better picture of, of what it looks like. It really is amazing what a telescope and what a microscope can do. It has a way of opening up a, really a whole new world of, of knowledge. What is true in the physical world is also true spiritually. There are things that we cannot see unless God enables us to see them. Unless God opens our eyes to the truth, by nature we are blinded. And so God must open our eyes so that we can see what He would want us to see. And our text illustrates this so clearly, I believe, in three ways. First of all, our eyes need to be opened to follow God's direction. During the time of the prophet Elisha, the people of Israel were in great need of of God's direction. They were at war with the Arameans, and without the help of God, they were doomed to defeat. And so God provided direction for them in really an amazing way. Uh, Through the prophet Elisha, uh, he was sending word to the king of Israel so that he knew exactly where the enemy was coming. Divine direction given through the prophet. And so every time the Arameans were going to attack, the people of Israel were ready for them. They indeed had divine intelligence. As you consider all that God had, how, how, excuse me, as you consider how God directed his people, you see the value of knowing and then following his direction. When we know and follow the direction that God gives us, we avoid all kinds of trouble. Just think of what the Israelites avoided by knowing exactly where the enemy would be. God saw what they did not see, and he spared his people from great tragedy. We have an enemy that is scheming against us. Like a roaring lion, he seeks whom he may devour. And that's why we need to have our eyes open to God's direction. God is infinitely wiser than we are. He can see things that we can't see. And through his word, he guides us in the battle with our enemy. He shows us the ways in which Satan seeks to destroy us so we can be ready for his attack. And and that is why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 2.11 that we are not ignorant of his schemes. Apart from God's word, apart from the spirit of God guiding us into the word of truth, we are ignorant of his devices. We are ignorant of his schemes. But God, through His Word, guides us, leads us, shows us what we need to know. And that's why it's so important for us to spend time in the Word. Spend time in the truth of God's Word that our eyes might be opened to follow God's direction. Secondly, our eyes need to be opened to see God's protection. When the king of Aram saw that the Israelites were ready for every attack, he figured that someone must be leaking information. I mean, how else could the king of Israel know what their battle plans were unless someone, one of his advisors, were leaking information like we see often in our day today, don't we? Verse 11, the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you tell me which one of us is for the king of Israel? 
And notice the answer his servant gave. I love this. One of his servants says, no, Lord, we're not leaking any information. There is this prophet Elisha. And he tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. If you're the king, you're thinking, what in the world is this? How on earth does the prophet Elisha know what I'm speaking in my bedroom? And so he realizes something needs to be done with this prophet. Need to get rid of him. And so in verse 13, he says, go and see where he is that I may send and take him. He finds out he's in Dothan. And verse 14 says, then he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Now think of that. For just one man, they sent a great army to try and find this prophet who was telling the king of Israel their battle plans. Warren Wiersbe says the logical solution was to eliminate Elisha. But once again, you see the ignorance of the king. For if Elisha knew every scheme the king planned for his border raids... Surely he would know this scheme as well. And Elisha did know that scheme. And when his attendants saw the Arameans that were surrounding the city, he was obviously afraid. And so he comes to Elisha and he said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because he gets up in the morning and he sees this army with horses and chariots circling the city. And he says, alas, my master, we are in big trouble. What are we going to do? You know, the attendant of Elisha gave in to fear because he failed to take into account all the miracles that God had already done through Elisha. I mean, you read back in Second in Kings and you see all the things that God had done through this prophet. Remember chapter 4 where he multiplied the oil the woman had? The creditors were coming to take their land and all I got is this little jar of water. And Elisha says, go and get some jars and bring them in. Start filling them up. And filling one after another after another. And finally, when all the jars were full, then Elisha says, okay, pay off your creditor and, and live, live on the rest. Great miracle of God. Chapter 4, he raised a, a boy from the dead. Chapter 5, he healed a, a leper, Naaman. Chapter 6, he made the an axe head float in the water and, and, and this attendant knew of all these miracles, but now they're faced with this army that's coming against them and, and he was overcome by fear. But notice how Elisha encourages him. In verse eight or verse sixteen he answers and says, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And if you're that servant, you're probably thinking, what in the world do you mean, Elisha? I don't see any army here. Don't fear, he said. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And so, so he prays. He says, God, open his eyes. Open the servant's eyes that, that he may see. And God opens the eyes of the servant. And what does he see? He sees the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. All around him. They were there all the time. He didn't see them. He didn't know that they were there. So, oh God, open, open his eyes that, that he might see. There was a man from my 
home congregation that was a missionary in, in Brazil. And he told the story of a friend of his who was really being used by the Lord there. And, and there was a guy that was really out to kill him. And he would come to his house planning on killing him, but there was always this ring of fire that was around his home. And finally one day, this guy that wanted to kill this missionary came to believe in Jesus, and he went and told him, he said, you know, I was out to kill you. I came to your house several times with the intent on ending your life, but there was always this ring of fire around your house. He said, how did you get that ring? He said, I didn't know it was there. But now I know who it was. It was God protecting. It was His angelic army surrounding that man. He didn't see it. But God provided for His needs. Now, I don't think the answer or the application of this passage is that we need to pray, God, show me these these angels of fire all around me. But we need to see that that is the fact, that God is the one who is our protector. That God is the one who provides for us in ways that we may not know about, ways that we might never see. The fact of that is true, isn't it? His angels will guard and care. His ministering spirits. We don't see them. But we know they're there. We know that they provide and protect for us. Because they've been sent by the Father to care for those, to minister to those who belong to Him. So our eyes need to be open to follow God's direction. Our eyes need to be open to see His protection. And then there's another way our eyes need to be opened. Our eyes need to be opened to display God's compassion. seems strange to talk about compassion when our text is dealing with, with war. But Elijah illustrates really a compassionate heart for those who came against him that day in battle. And he prayed that their eyes might be opened after he prayed that their eyes might be blinded. It's kind of interesting when they came down to him in verse 18. He prayed, he said, Lord, strike the people with blindness, I pray. And so he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And then Elisha said, this is not the way. I'll lead you to the right place. And he leads them to the city of Samaria. And when they had come into Samaria, then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they might see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Now, why in the world did he pray in in this way for the Arameans? Well, as a prophet of God, his mission was to proclaim the glory and the power of God. And with the enemies of Israel, this often happened through some kind of display, some kind of miraculous display of the power of God. We saw that in the previous chapter, the eyes of the Aramean army commander, Naaman, his eyes were open to who God was. As he went and dipped himself in the Jordan River seven times and he came up cleansed, he saw who God was. And here we see this whole army, how they were open to see the power of God. Elisha wanted them to see how great God is, so he prayed for them. First, blinding them, and then, oh God, open their eyes again. 
I don't think that's the lesson for us necessarily, that we pray, you know, God blind these people and then open their eyes that they might see again. But I do believe that we need to pray that God would open the eyes of those, those who don't know the Lord and would come to know Him, come to see who Jesus is. And that's one of the greatest ways that we can show compassion to those around us is by praying that God would open their eyes to the truth. That they would see who Jesus is. That they would see their need for a Savior. Because the Bible says that their eyes have been blinded by Satan so they can't see the knowledge of the glory of God. So who's on your prayer list? Praying for people that don't know Jesus? People whose eyes are blinded? Oh Lord, would you open their eyes that they might see who you are? I had lunch with a classmate of mine. Actually, coffee on Monday morning. And it was the 40th anniversary of, of him coming to Christ. Uh, he had come to our church on a Sunday evening. And after the service, he was saved and been serving the Lord for years. A Baptist pastor in Hudson, Wisconsin now. Just a glorious time together. But as we visited and we're talking about, you know, where, what's so-and-so doing now and are there friends and classmates, I left that place and I thought, you know what? I need to pray more diligently for some of my classmates that don't know Jesus. I need to pray for some of the guys that I played basketball and baseball with, that their eyes would be open to see Jesus. That's how we show compassion to people. Praying, oh God, open their eyes. Help them to see. Another way we can display compassion for others is, is in forgiving those who wrong us. It's interesting, when the king of Israel saw that the Arameans were in the city, he got a little excited. He was figuring, here's a time now that we can take vengeance on our enemies. And notice what he said in verse 21. The king of Israel, when he saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill him? Shall I kill him? Shall we end, end it all now? And Elisha said, No. In verse 22, he said, You shall not kill them. He said, Would you kill those who have, you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And I can imagine the king of Israel thinking, what in the world are you doing, Elisha? These are the enemies. These are the ones that came to capture you. They wanted to kill you because of what you were doing. And now you're saying you want to feed them? You want to set some bread and water before them and then send them back to their master? We've got them right where we want them to be. What's wrong with you, Elisha? Why would he tell the king of Israel to feed the enemy? I suppose one reason is because the Aramean army had, hadn't come to battle against Israel. They were just looking for one man. They were looking for Elisha. This wasn't the king's battle. This was Elisha's battle. But another reason Elisha told the king of Israel to feed the Arameans is because he wanted them to see not just the power of God, but Elisha wanted them to see the mercy of God. He wanted them to see that the God of Israel is a God of mercy and compassion. A God who loves people. A God who wants their lives to be spared so that they might come to know who He really is. Did you know that one of the greatest ways that we can display God's work in our lives is when we are willing to forgive? 
Because it is Christ-like to forgive, isn't it? What did Jesus say as He's hanging on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then think of Stephen. He's being stoned. What does He say? Father, lay not this sin against them. Hold not this sin against them. I've often wondered if the Apostle Paul who was standing there the day that Stephen was stoned and heard those words from his mouth, if that was not part of what drew him into a living relationship with Jesus, when he saw, here's a guy we're stoning to death. He says, Lord, forgive them. Don't hold this sin against them. Many years ago, the king of one of the South Sea Islands became a believer in Jesus. And he discovered there was a plot to take his life and other Christians in his his village, to burn them to death. And so he organized a band of men to defend them, and he captured them. But instead of punishing them, he set a feast before them. And this unexpected kindness so surprised these men. They burned their idols and put their trust in Jesus. Now, most of us will probably, thankfully, never have to deal with someone who wants to kill us. Now, I'm not going to guarantee that in this day and age, but that probably won't happen. But if we are faithful to proclaim the word of God, we will face opposition. There will be those who will not like what we have to stand for, who will want in some way to to shut us up or persecute us in whatever way they can. But we need to have compassion for those people. And I was reminded as I was studying this passage this week of what Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2. In verse 24, he says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. And then this verse in particular, And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive by Him to do His will. So if you wonder why people oppose us, why they stand against the message that we proclaim, Paul gives us the answer here. He says they're snared. They've been held captive by the devil. They need to come to their senses because they have been blinded and deceived. That ought to give us a little compassion for those who would take their stand against the message that we proclaim because they have been blinded, they have been snared, they are captive, and they need to be released. And that's why we need to pray for them and love them and respond with kindness to them because they are captive and they need to be set free. It was Amy Carmichael that had a dream some years ago that There were people that were methodically walking off a cliff. 
And in her dream, she was trying to, to stop them, but there were so many of them. And she saw this group of, of Christians that were gathered under the tree. And she said they were singing all of these wonderful gospel songs. And she was telling them, come and help us. Come and help me. These people are blind and they're walking off the cliff one by one, but they didn't have time. They didn't have time. And that really stirred her heart. Really put a fire within her and out of compassion for those who have been blinded, to those who are lost, to those who don't know their need and need to be confronted with that need of, of a Savior. And that's what we see in Elisha. King of Israel said, shall I kill him? Shall I kill him? He said, no, feed him. Set a feast before them. They needed to see that the God of Israel was not only a God of great power, but He was also a God of, of great mercy. And as we come to the Lord's table today, I am grateful for that. Our God is a God of great power, a holy God, a mighty God, an awesome God. But He's also a God of, of great mercy. He proved it at the cross, didn't He? He took our sin. He died in our place. He took upon Himself the punishment that we deserve. Oh God, open our eyes today to see the glorious, wonderful grace that Jesus Christ provides to us. What He did for us on the cross. And we celebrate that today as we come to His table. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, open our eyes today. Open our eyes to see the things that we need to see. Even as you open the eyes of that servant, O oh God, open our eyes today. Open our eyes that we might see our, our need. Open our eyes that we might see our Savior, the one who gave his life for us. Thank you for your power, O oh God, but thank you for your mercy and your grace that you offer freely to sinful people like us. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.